diplomats you're getting yeah. into, you know nothing. You're like, oh my God, what am I doing? What is happening? What yeah. is going to happen? So you get all yeah. these kind of tasks. Um, you're given a speech to write and you don't even know where to start. You, you're just like, you know, you yeah. yourself, you're so overwhelmed by what yeah. is happening <laughs> and you don't even yeah. know where to touch and what to do. Hello and welcome to the Broad Mindset Podcast. Your host is me, Asteria Ambatapirola. I'm so excited to finally be broadcasting this show and hosting it all the way from Milan, Italy. Journey along with me together with an exclusive list of guests who are thought leaders, academics, creators, entrepreneurs, and scientists, all starting us off from the Namibian landscape. What are we talking about? Everything as it pertains to doing things better and mentally elevated to bring forth the best versions of ourselves in their respective industries. So listen along and hit the subscribe button or simply share an episode that deeply resonated with you. Stay soon. Ciao. Dr. Asteria, um, thank you very much for hosting me and making me be part of this conversation. I'm very honored and privileged to be part of this. And I hope the conversation inspires the fellow young people of the world. Um, I grew up in, a, it's not so small, but a small town of, a small town of Ongwediva, where I did my, obviously my primary school, my kindergarten. Um, so my, my schooling, my, my, my younger junior schooling was done there. Uh, before, you know, I just wanted to narrate a story that is always something that I always refer to before I make a decision or before I embark on a journey. Uh, as when I was in, in kindergarten, um, we would go for kindergarten, when, when I used to go to kindergarten, basically when you go there, you know, you're taught um, the letters, you're taught how to write, you're taught all these kind of um, things that small kids are taught at school as a foundation. And, and normally what we'll get, we'll always get um, food from the school. And that was usually um, the bread and oros, you know, the famous oro crush. But it was now yeah, done. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 you know, it always takes me back. So when I go back home, my mom would always ask, what, what were you guys taught today? And the first thing yeah. I'll always say is that yeah. oros and bread and nothing else follows. So I was always excited to go to kindergarten because of the oros and bread that was given there, but not excited of the letters or the alphabets that I was being taught. So I yeah, always find yeah. it funny. Uh, and, and, and it's something that I always refer to till today, um, given where I am in my life at the moment. Uh, I did my high school with a window technical high school. Um, my specialization then, they, this is more like they, they had specializations. You have vocational those that were doing something in technical drawing. Um, I was obviously in the agricultural field. Um, I was responsible for, you know, planting, taking care of chickens. I know how poultry works, yeah. uh, all these things. So it, it, it was an interesting school because so many practical things were taught. We were taught a lot of practical things. And um, the good thing about it, um, so much opportunities was given to us as learners at that particular school because we were always trained on particular things. We would do aptitude tests as time would go on and stuff like that. So it was an interesting learning curve for me during high school. Um, yeah. Now, the decision yeah. that came about after high school was then what happens next. Uh, I always wanted to be a politician. 
for some reason, for some odd reason, I always wanted to be a politician. And I always had ambitions of being a politician. So as, as, as I was growing up, I was always interested in parliament sessions on NBC TV. So every time I see a politician, I was always eager to, to understand what kind of work are they doing. When I see a minister roaming in the streets or walking wherever, I was always excited because it's, it's like I had a passion for, 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 for being a politician or for doing politics. So um, I had an opportunity to go study um, uh, in the Republic of China, People's Republic of China, um, um, at one of the best university in China. That's probably one of the third or fourth best university out of 100, 700 and something universities in the whole of China. Um, one university. Yeah. Um, so the first thing when I went there was basically to study political science. So when I got in China, um, my mind soft, uh, you know, just shifted and, and, and my interest for politics was now reducing. In just the moment I got there for the week, I'm supposed to enroll for the course. But what happens is that you need to first do the English, uh, the, the Chinese as a foundation because you're going to be taught in the Chinese language. So there was a group of students that were there from different countries and they were like, no, we're going to do economics. Uh, there's an English program for them and what, 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 what. For some reason, I was like, you know what? Politics and economics goes hand in hand. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do economics. So I ended up doing economics uh, for four years. Um, I lived in China for four years. I do speak some Chinese, of course. Um, yeah, and, 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 and it has been a very interesting um time for me being in China, I've seen how the world is um, from that end or from that side. Um, it has been a very interesting experience for me. Um, in yeah, 2015, yeah. I've graduated um, and I got my bachelor's in economics, specializing in international trade. And, 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 and prior to my graduation, I had already did internship with uh, Namibia Trade Forum because as, 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 as a requirement for 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 my course was basically to do an internship which they call practice practicals um yeah, yeah. that adds up to, to to your credits obviously and which will allow you to graduate so i had i had applied for i don't know how many um institutions in namibia that i have applied for maybe too close to 80 or 90 looking for internship and nobody could offer me an internship and out of the blue um there's this institution which, which was run by a lady named Miss Ndita Nipondoka Robiati, and who has been the chief executive officer of that institution. And, you know, she responded to say, you're doing something that we are doing because we're focusing on trade, um, providing public and private dialogue, um, trade facilitation and all these kind of things. And this is really in our area. And I think this internship will also be beneficial to you. So I got my internship there. I've been with them for six months. It was a good internship, good experience, good exposure. Um, I wasn't just doing it for school. It was also beneficial to me because this is something I've studied because my specialization is in trade. So economics and international trade. Um, I've, I've, I've then finalized um, the internship. I went back to university. I graduated. It was very interesting. It was an emotional um, um, occasion for me. Um, graduated yeah, with yeah. my fellow classmates. It was nice. But then the question always comes back, what next? You know, every yeah, time you're done yeah. with something, you always ask yourself, what is next? So I was fortunate okay. enough, I got back to Namibia, uh, went back to Namibia Trade Forum. I was a temporary economic researcher um, where I was obviously responsible. I, I was also part of the drafting um, 
team that drafted what we call the retail sector charter. A retail sector charter is your industrialization policy to have Namibian products on Namibian shelves. So we were encouraging Namibian products to be positioned on the shelves. Because what we're saying is that I want to see a Namibian product made by a Namibian in pick and pay, for instance. So that is yeah, what the retail yeah. sector is advocating for. Um, and, and, you know, that's the kind of work we have done. We were engaging the stakeholders. We're engaging the role players. So we are saying, let's, you know, we're working together with uh, Team Namibia, Ministry of Trade, being the custodian of these things. Um, and, 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 yeah, and, and, and really what I have also done is that really I have contacted what we call socioeconomic research and policy analysis, um, de depending from different angles in, in, in two yeah. economic sphere. Um, obviously, everything comes to an end. Um, as a temp there, my opportunity has then come to an end. And uh, obviously, I've then been unemployed for, for some time. And what yeah, I've done yeah. during my that period when I was unemployed, really, I did a lot of um, 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 articles. I wrote a lot of articles on, 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 on procurement. It could be anything that relates to the budget, economic, uh, economic related news. So I would always find a topic to talk about, I'll write them to newspaper. It has become a hobby. And fr from yeah. that, I know I was also gaining experience because you're invited to platforms where you are sharing with other economists, even though they were in the real world. As for me, yeah. I was sort of yeah. like in the backseat because yeah. I, yeah. I didn't have an opportunity to say, I'm in that opportunity or I'm in that position, I'm doing that and that. But then didn't actually derail me. I continued doing what I was doing. I'd go for TV interviews, which was also boosting my confidence in the, in, in, in the process. Um, yeah, and then what yeah. happened is, um, as, as time was going on, I, I, you know, I said, you know what, I'm not going to be sitting here not doing anything. I, I attended um, a public speaking course for three months, and I was there. We were being taught how to speak, how to, yeah. you know, your, your body languages, how to engage people. So all these kind of things, we were even writing tests, we are doing practicals. We also had a session sort of like your graduation where you were speaking to an audience from outside about a particular topic. And my topic was always related to economics. So it was about the budgeting and how you could save money and all these kind of things. Yeah. So that's what I've done yeah. actually then. Yeah. So in 20, uh, that was now in 2018, I... No, no, 2017, basically, no, 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 before, prior to that, then when this all happened, um, yeah. I had an opportunity to work for the Bank of Namibia, which is a central bank, and I know a lot of people have a dream of working for an institution like the Bank of Namibia, and we were yeah. responsible for um, data collection as well as data analysis when it, it, in relation to real estate. So we would go to the deep office and collect this data and update it on the system. Basically, this was a project in collaboration with Nomvisa. So I've been with the bank for one year, um, and the experience really has been great. Um, the support has been great, I must say. Uh, and, 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 you know, I was doing this. It was also temporary work, um, and I've done it for one year. And unfortunately, the contract had to come to an end because the project has to end. Um, yeah. project ended and um, but I got valuable experience from there I was treated very well uh, in terms yeah. of wellness and also taken care of my mental health in so many ways uh, which yeah. I still today I still appreciate and um, my contract then ended in all in in around November 2018 
I then took a break to Switzerland for about four months. Um, so months. I was in Switzerland looking, yeah, looking for opportunities and all that. Um, and I remember there was an interview I did with the World Trade Organization. Uh, it, yeah. For me, it was very exciting, the fact that you were invited for an interview at such a big organization. So for me, it was like, wow, I'm going to hold the bull by its own. I'm like, it's, it's, yeah. even though I don't make it to the interviews whatsoever, the fact that I made it to an interview says it all. Exactly. So I was exactly. like, you know, I doubt myself a lot, things like that. And yeah. my experience in Switzerland has been great. I've been there. I've, I wasn't working or anything, but I really, I was just there to seek for opportunities. Um, yeah. Even though I, I didn't manage to get any opportunity, but what I, 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 I actually um, managed to gain some skills in different ways. Um, yeah. Because you were there seeking for opportunities. You know what you're looking for and you know what you want. So I got back home um, in, in 2018 from the beginning, at the beginning of the year. And as obviously I was there, um, looking for opportunities, applying here and there, you get, you know, it, it has been a struggle and it is, it's also mentally exhausting when you're looking for a job yeah. and you're not getting yeah. a job. Uh, number one, the fact that you have got an experience already on your CV. Exactly. And, exactly. and it also takes me back to say people who don't have experiences on the CV, how are they taking it? So it has been yeah. a roller coaster. Um, then until in June 2018, where I was obviously um, appointed into a position to serve as an executive assistant to the Deputy Minister of Ministry of International Relations. Um, yeah. That also came as a blow to me. It, um, you know, the confidence that this high office has in me and how I got that based on the experience I have and the skills that I'll bring to the table. Um, it has been an amazing. Uh, you, you're obviously serving in the office of the Deputy Minister, who's also assist, assisting our um, Minister of International Relations, who's also the Deputy Prime Minister. You must imagine how busy that office is and how complex yeah. the office environment is. So for me, you're getting in this place, you've, you know, it's an office full of diplomats. I mean, it's diplomats you're getting yeah. into, you know nothing. You're like, oh my God, what am I doing? What is happening? What yeah. is going to happen? So you get all yeah. these kind of tasks. Um, you are given a speech to write, and you don't even know where to start. You you just like you know you yeah. yourself. You're so overwhelmed by what yeah. is happening, <laughs> and you don't even yeah. know where to touch and what to do. And 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 obviously with international relations, obviously people are moving very fast because you're dealing with issues of multilateral. You're dealing with issues of of, of, of bilateral. Um, yeah. So 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 it has been. Yo, it has been amazing, um, yeah. you know, because I was providing advice, technical administrative support to the deputy minister and also carried out a strategic, as, as, she, as they carry out the, their strategic goal as part of their respective roles to formulate, coordinate, implement what we call the Namibian foreign policy. Um, yeah. So that has been very, whew, that, has, that one has opened my, yeah. my, 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 my space uh, because... Yeah international relations i've traveled i've been to every part of this world uh doctor you have no, you can't imagine i have been to every corner of the world i've traveled i've experienced i've engaged yeah. i've gained um so it was a learning curve and and really for 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 i i, I always appreciate people like the deputy minister that i really have worked with um, who is yeah. our deputy who's the current minister in the presidency on a brokerage who, he, who has been 
she 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 has been my mentor she has been she laid a foundation for me you know i was that shy boy that i was not able to express myself and because of this yeah. um lessons that i've gotten from her and what i've learned from the job that i was doing it was really amazing i i i i am i was able to work under pressure i was able to do damage control i was able to do things that i thought i would have never be able to and and yeah. that really laid a whole big foundation for me um yeah. so obviously we are coming from the Ministry of International Relations. I then ended up with the Office of the President, where my minister was then the new minister because you are assigned to that particular minister. So we yeah. moved, and I couldn't stay longer because an opportunity came up with the African Peer Review Mechanism, and that's the business of today. So yeah. I I then ended up with um, the, the the African Peer Review Mechanism. Um, it's a very interesting organization to work for, Doctor. You can imagine how wonderful this experience is. I, I, I'm currently serving as a researcher and a technical advisor as the chief executive officer, where I'm also the secretary to the National Governing Council, which is the board of the African National African um, African Peer Review Mechanism National Secretariat. So how yeah. it works is that. You have the secretariat, uh, which is providing administrative and technical support to the National Governing Council. The National Governing Council is inaugurated by the president to actually oversee and to provide strategic guidance of the African peer review mechanism processes in the country. So we also have a body, which is a continental secretariat, which oversees the work of national officers in different countries. So once you accede to this mechanism, there are requirements that you need to follow according to the legal instrument, which is the statute of the APRM. Uh, and what we basically do is we we are saying we are an organ of the African Union to actually encourage the adoption of policies, values, and standards that leads to best practice. So in a nutshell, this is basically African solutions for African problems. So that's basically what yeah. we're doing with the African peer I review. Love, I love that. I love how you condense that. African solutions for African problems. And I think I also, yeah, in a nutshell, and I love everything that you also like detailed um, your struggles and how hard it is, you know, to have found um, permanent employment because that is really the, the elephant in the room that I'm tackling that a lot of people are not trying to address explicitly. And that's one of the reasons as well that I've taken um, private interest to build products like Billet, um, which this podcast is um, powered by. And as an extension of Billet is to have to host conversations that are specifically targeting alternative ways of employment. And alternative ways of employment, um, as you have indicated, you said that um, at some point you were on contractual work for a year all of that falls under the umbrella of um, quote-unquote freelancing. And we'll get into that obviously a bit later, but I love the fact that if, where you are currently, you, you, you were molded, so to speak, from, um, you said that you used to be a shy boy, and for you to, to, to acknowledge that everything that you have gone through, be it the travels, be it your mentor, they all had a great hand to play. Now imagine somebody who's within and everything that we're obviously going to be talking about here is in the context of the Namibian child. Um, the, the Namibian child who is not so, so exposed and may not even have the opportunity to leave Namibia. So 
you said something about imagine somebody trying to look for work without the experience that you had and your, the experience that you had you already even found challenges with just finding something permanent and this is why you're here sisters this is why this whole podcast is created because i for one just looking at looking from an external point of view for one and realizing that how times have changed the the pace at which technology is also moving at a lot of companies in the western um in the western demographics for example they are, not so many of them are considering work experiences prior work experiences for you to land a job but we don't have that so much as um as a focus area in the namibian or african markets you need the experience you need to be able to to have a piece of paper to say that look i can do this job so in the absence of all of that what solutions can we offer what ways can we creatively think of that would enable somebody who's really coming from the deepest parts of um grassroots level in namibia to actually look at you know look at your position for example and be like look i would want to be in that office one day what are my stepping stones how do i get there and this is that's that's essentially where my heart is right now i've had those challenges i've personally been you know in times for us were much 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 more easier back then and i just really don't want or as idealistic as it may sound i i don't want the next generation to experience so so many hardships as we did with um you know yeah also just considering that there are a lot of people that could possibly provide resources and provide assistance to bridging the gap you know we're not trying to say the world completely we are making attempts but in the little that each individual has that's really why i'm doing all of this so thank you for sharing that as well and um i think we can move on to the next section of the conversation you spoke about your strengths already i love the fact that you you didn't deny yourself the chance to learn you said you're an executive assistant and having to write all these speeches and you know the fact that you know in a in a completely new environment and possibly also experiencing a bit of imposter syndrome when you said that you're dealing with a lot of diplomats and all of that how was your experience in that in that particular moment how how did you harness the fact that you are in a job you are trusted to write a particular speech for example without necessarily having to downplay that look i am going to be able to do this somehow let me just learn how to swim what strengths did you borrow from from navigating that um that part of your life okay um that's a hard one but i'll try yeah um, thank you so much no um and, and and actually i like the fact that you're narrating so many things that relates to employment especially issues that affect young people um you yeah. know when when i got into this position it's a very you know it's a powerful position it's 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 a serious position i mean you're dealing with um serious things so it's, there's no time to play there's no time to you know to procrastinate you what needs to be done because people are moving fast and yeah. you are in an office that is basically everybody is looking at and to say we're looking at festes we're waiting for festes because you literally are an advisor to the minister so there's so yeah. many things that encompasses what you do and that influences what you do so if you haven't done your work obviously the minister fails because 
So you are in this position to assist administratively and technically in whatever issues that are brought to the minister's table and, 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 and also help them achieve their key performance objectives. So it's, 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 yeah. it's a very, it's a complex position, but what I have learned from this position is that I, have, I was not mentored by somebody on how to do the work. I, I, I learned. As time goes on, with your fellow um, personal assistants or executive assistants to ministers, you, you, you keep, you know, you, you sort of have somebody who you sort of call for advice, who can yeah. advise you what can be done or how do you, what approach to take. But as time goes on, because your brain is working faster at a faster pace, you start yeah. finding ways on how you can better do it because you want to be creative. You have to create initiative in order for your work to be done successfully. And, and when what is also boosting your, 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 your upskill sort of was you go to um, different countries in the world and you see how they do things. So yeah. you sort of also pick that up and see how you can also uh, domesticate it back home and say, this is how I'm going to do it at the office. So as you work, you also um, um, obviously supervising your colleague or your colleagues that are below you to say, this is how it should be done. This is how it should be done. So if there's a letter that comes in today, you need to ensure that letter letter is assigned, that the minister has seen the letter, the letter is, you know. So you always have to keep your brain running and you have to yeah. be upstream in a sense that whatever comes in goes out. So there's no time to procrastinate because once you keep the work on your table, everything else is delayed. And yeah. here you're working, it's international relations, it's issues that are across and globally. So you, there is no time for that. So you keep learning even from the colleagues as they are doing the things. So you start, um, I, always, um, I always narrate this to my, my, my former um, principal, where yeah. the first time when I got into the office, when I was asked to write a letter, I wrote a letter, and when it came back, it was in red. So it felt like I was still in school. So yeah. it was red all over, and I felt I was not good enough. But that didn't yeah. stop me. I, it didn't stop me from doing what I was supposed to do until the day where I started submitting letters or speeches that were not edited at all. So, yeah. you know, life is a learning curve. So every time you learn, as I say, you fall seven times, pick yourself up the eighth time. So yeah. that how, that, that's how it has been. In relation to the work I currently do, and you mentioned something very interesting. Um, at the moment, I'm invited to platforms at the international level where I speak. I'm on panel discussions with ministers, executive directors of different institutions, people yeah. of high-level panel discussions. And these are panels that I've never thought I would be part of. Yeah. And I'll be in these discussions and I'll be actually the voice of the young people. Because yeah. the issue here is young people... We are the we, we know we have access to these platforms, so we should exactly. make we should make it um, a point for us to represent young people very well. It shouldn't be yeah. about myself as being at that particular platform, but I should be the voice of the voiceless. There are so yeah. many people in the rural areas. We have to ensure how do they get this correct information. We can be said. Uh, recently, I was in. Um, Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. We had the African yeah. Youth um, Sustainable Development Goals Summit, um, yeah. which was under the theme Youth Resilience and COVID-19 Era 
in the pathway to accelerate actions forward achieving sustainable development goal. We always speak about Agenda 2030 and Agenda 2063. I always say that the two agendas, is they reflect the voices of millions of people across the world on, to yeah. inform governments on the world we want. Basically, with Agenda 2030, it says no one should be left behind. Looking at the 17... Um, uh, 17 uh, developmental agenda goals. Then you have Agenda 2063 that says Africa we want. So you can define Africa we want. Some will say borderless Africa, peaceful Africa. There's so many ways. The aspirations of Africa. This is the Africa we want. But the, the, the issue and the agenda on youth is that it's, it's high time that young people are involved in um, um, policy formulation processes. Not only yeah. decision-making processes, but young people must must also be in at tables where their future are discussed. Because if 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 we don't, if young people are not involved in these processes, then it becomes a problem. We can be involved in decision-making processes, but we're saying it's important that I'm part of the policy formulation because I know what based on what I've went through and what other people are going through. This is how it should be. Because we are guided by policies that we formulate. So if young people are not involved in policies, it becomes a problem. There is a, the issue of youth unemployment is another one. Um, I work for an organization, and, 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 and in our organization, or our entity, or our secretariat, we have conducted what we call the youth, a targeted review, the targeted review, youth, uh, targeted review on youth unemployment in Namibia. Now, the targeted review um, report on youth unemployment in Namibia, there are findings. Those findings... What you do is that we then develop um, what we call the National Plan of Action with the key um, stakeholders, such as the Ministry of Youth, and National Youth Service, National Youth Council. And the whole idea is when you need, we need to create synergies of the existing programs that are already being placed that are trying to address youth unemployment. And what we're saying is that we need to integrate this um, these actions into, into our existing national development plans. So there's synergies and there's ownership from us. Let's not work in silos because it's really important. You, if somebody asks you how are you going to address youth unemployment, you will not be able to answer it. It's a very complex yeah. issue. You do not know how to do. But what we are saying is that since we are part of this mechanism, self-monitoring mechanism, where we are not trying to shun government, but what we are saying is that we want to learn from our peers because Every um, uh, the, the purpose of every peer learning is to identify deficiencies in the governance system and to recommend the best way forward. So that is what peer learning is all about. So we also would like to, to learn from other countries that are into this mechanism. How do they address youth unemployment? And how, and, and based on the recommendations that we have done, how far have we come? And that's why we are saying we, we, we want to ensure effective implementation of monitoring and evaluation. So let's see this actions. This is the recommendations we have given government. How far do we go with this recommendation? As time goes on, we keep monitoring and see how we best can solve some of the issues yeah. of youth unemployment. So it's a, it's, a, it's a very complex issue. You, you won't really know how to answer it, but efforts yeah. are being made um, with these little initiatives or these initiatives that the African Union is coming up to say, it's time, it's high time, Africans. We need to be accountable to ourselves. We need to share experiences yeah. with one another. And, 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 and it's our time now. Exactly. And I love the fact that, um, that we need to be accountable for ourselves, which is 
a big driving yeah it's it creates a lot of um, driving force to actually realize that okay this is where we are um this is how we got here this is way this is what we have done to be, to bring us to this point but how are we going to move forward and bring us to the next point in our conversation um unemployment african unemployment it's another elephant on its own Namibian unemployment, it's another devil on its own. And unpacking that, I understand there are strides and there are, there are already strategies in place to tackle it. Yep. The thing is, the point is, it's not to try and, you know, finish everything or fix everything within one day. It's progressively moving towards creative ways of making, of carving out more opportunities for the youth. And another factor that I'm, another consideration that I'm really, really passionate about is hybrid working or remote working, which has been one of the topical conversations since the pandemic hit for one. And the pandemic, which a lot of people have known about um, remote working, they have known about hybrid systems and hybrid organizations, but it hasn't been fully uh, recognized or embraced as um, a possible way of working. So in your in your capacity right now, in your organization, do you think that that could be hybrid working now? That is, that could be in the near future something that has that can be fully embraced as part of your recruitment strategy? Or how do you what are your thoughts around that essentially? Do you have you done it as well? Have you been able to work remotely prior to the to the pandemic or before or after the pandemic? Um, yeah, let's start there. Okay. Um, you know, after this devastating COVID-19, um, you know, during the Delta variant, we've lost so many families. It has been a very emotional time. And I, and I know yeah. some people are still coming to terms with that. It has been during that period, it was extremely bad that you were not able to be at the office. But the questions were always like, how am, am I going to do my work? Or how are we going to do facilitate the next meeting or how it's going to happen. So there were so many things that, you know, running across your mind. And what when these things were happening, um, the pandemic also came at this time where so many things needed to be done. Like in my case, yeah. in our entity, we were busy conducting what we call a country review. And this was to review the country in four thematic areas. Um, that's yeah. basically democracy and political governance, economic governance and management, uh, corporate governance, socioeconomic development. So what happens is that you, you needed to, uh, to to consult stakeholders and usually you would invite stakeholders and to engage them and, and, and as the culture has been because you need to go to, to, to a room full of stakeholders where you engage them because we, we sometimes for us, when I see you physically, I felt I've met you. So yeah. I have made... So what happened is, in, in, in that case, as things were going, we were left with no choice but um, to really work remotely. And interestingly, so um, as a person who was facilitating all these extensive consultations, I, I, I successfully managed to actually um, do the virtual consult consultations. We had, you know, issues here. People would say, I cannot connect in. I, I have a problem with internet connection at my place. You know, there was always this um, bottlenecks that was in the way of you conducting your extensive consultations. Because with our processes is that you need to have a wider um, stakeholder consultations because 
then the process become a Namibian, a, a Namibian process. Because if you have left out a stakeholder, an important stakeholder of the process, then the process doesn't become as, as crucial as it should be. So yeah. you have to be extensive as, as much as possible. So um, we have successfully managed to do that. We, we had consultations a different day. People would sit in the virtual meeting for four hours, three uh, four hours, five hours, and straight out. It was interesting because you would thought somebody would just log in for one minute or three minutes and to show face that yeah. they are not there. And, and, yeah. and, and what that taught me was that we always had a, a, a register. Somehow when the person logs in, you put them, their name is there. They, they confirm that they have attended. So, you know, it was just... Um, a different way of doing things from the norm. So we yeah. successfully managed. I was sitting basically in my house where I have been um, facilitating this consultation, extensive consultation processes, where I was working um, from home. If there was a letter that needed to be done. Um, you know, we, we, we started developing all these um, technical and digital tools on what to do, how can your boss sign that document with him not signing you to the pen? You know, all these yeah. um, interesting tools started, started coming up and you started yeah. learning digitally because there are things that you yourself did not know that it can be done. And I mean, you're able to record the meeting, you're able to take minutes for the board. Um, you know, you, it's, it's, things started becoming just normal because you don't right. see people on, on, on a daily basis. And as we speak to date, we do the same. You, you can yeah. still have a meeting or you can call for a meeting immediately and we just log in on Microsoft Teams or Zoom and the meeting is done. And, and yeah. that's what some schools are also, currently at my university, that's what we're doing. So we, we're still yeah. conducting classes via virtual, uh, virtual class. And, and I mean, it's just the same as you being in, 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 in physical form. Yeah. But I feel that you're more productive when you're in a virtual meeting than when you're into a, a physical sort of meeting. Yeah. For me, at the time that I have been home, I've been extremely productive. Um, yeah. Also, um, COVID has taught me, especially with paper processing, we were always used to this printing paper, getting it signed. You need to send it with an yeah. envelope. And I also look at the issues of, uh, you know, the environmental uh, protection, okay. you know, when yeah. they say papers and all this, let's use less of paper, plastic and all these things. They come back to me and say, at least with technology, if this is possible, let's do it this way. Let's just write a letter, let them in, the letter that the CEO sign it with in an electronic system, let we send the paper. Let's not delay the process. So I've, yeah. I've started picking up all these new innovative ways of getting things done. And, and really for me, I think it's, it's sort of like I'm an IT on my own in, in, in so many of these things because you keep exploring. You keep exploring. Yeah. So, yeah. So for me, um, I think hybrid working has been very productive for me. And yeah. I don't see, um, I can be home in my pajamas. I can be at the office in my pajamas. Whether yeah. I work or not, I, you, can't, you can't sort of... Um, determine that I'm working when you see me at the office. I can still be in my office and not do the work. So, exactly. you know, it's, it's, if, if I'm able to work wherever I am, and you know this is happening now, I can be driving from somewhere to somewhere, and I'm in a meeting with, I can be in a meeting like I'm having a conversation with you now, but I'm driving, yeah. but I still, you know, I'm still, we're still getting everything together. And I've seen that. People are now doing that. With virtual, exactly. with hybrid system, 
that is in place, everything seems to be smooth. I yeah. can attend the conference not being there in person, but I have been part of the conference. I have not missed out on anything. Connection or technology made it easier for us. Exactly. And that's also just another focal point. Um, I think we're going to speed through the rest of the stuff to condense it because I think we did, we, we touched on a lot of stuff already. Um, one of the reasons, one, one of the things that I'm also really passionate about is the, the world of work. You know, the fact that we all essentially, we all have to earn a living and earning a living, which, which, which were actually some of the lessons that came out of the pandemic is our systems of working were not as productive as we thought they were. Um, our mental health, for one, was highly compromised. People started after the pandemic, or not even after, during the process of the pandemic, at the height of it, people started really to, to take stock of what is important. And some of the conversations that have come, which are the current conversations, is the great resignation, for example, that has been observed in the US markets, where people actually got to realize that, look, I can, if I can, as you say, be productive at home, why do I have to go at work and be with a lot of people that I don't, some people don't essentially like their colleagues, but for the sake of making a living or having to work for a living, you have to go in physically. So people started reassessing that I can actually, I don't want to do that kind of work any longer. And that's why I brought the hybrid, con the hybrid working into conversation because it's also, I feel it's something that needs to receive from Namibian point of view. Um, high attention that you can achieve the outcome without necessarily having to, to, to have um, the staff member be you know, physically present. And that comes obviously with its own challenges and we have to unpack those as we are moving along. But the point that you said that you, you have observed the productivity levels, that's already a win. That's already an indication that the, the way of working, it's not dictated by being in a physical space. And furthermore, another thing that I'm really um, interested in moving towards and shifting the conversation around, which we have already, which we, we, we briefly spoke about um, um, in, our earlier in our earlier openings, it's the freelance market, the, you know, the way of working, for example, if in, and I've spoken about this on all my socials, um, which I'm really, really passionate about how people are working and making a living without having to compromise your mental health. Let's suppose, for example, everybody in the next five years, right? That the way the way that we're currently working, those that have jobs, for example, you have a nine to five, you are really lucky. But as times are gonna be moving along, automation and robotics, which is already evident all over the world, we are going to have to find smarter ways to work. And freelance, uh, Namibia and in various parts of Africa has been recognized to be an, a, a very big contributor to a country's um, economy. And they call this the gig economy, apparently. Not apparently, but it's, it's dubbed as the gig economy. That specifies that there is dual modalities of actually earning a living, not just the nine to five. You can, in the absence of having a nine to five, you can bridge... Um, no short-term working, you were, as you said, that you worked for a year. And if you're lucky enough to get another contract, that's essentially freelancing. And this is some of the things, some of the conversations that I really want us and all the guests that are going to be coming on, 
on the show for us to just you know think it back of each other and, and see what our you know test the waters what you think about it what what are your opinions about it and i love everything that you have just condensed and that's essentially what we what we're trying to do here is just to have an eye-opening conversation to say that okay in the world of work it's great to be somewhere but that we have to find creative ways of doing things um and this is starting to sound like a monologue <laughs> if you want to say anything else you can chime in but um um Festus? yes i'm here Doc. Oh, okay yeah um yeah because it goes a bit quiet then i can't see i can't um no no i um you know it's a, it's it's very interesting how you've mentioned the freelancing uh, and also that you mentioned something about robotics. Uh, we had this conversation, I remember two years ago, where we were having yep. a conversation, we were saying to ourselves, you know, with this industrial revolution, um, you can be a PA today, but tomorrow, all I need is just a robot that is basically doing my work. And exactly. I will not meet you physically as an PA. So these are things that we need to start looking at, especially young people, because we faced, we are now the sole future generation, we will be part of this innovative and these innovative ways are going to affect us because now i mean you still have like your feet watch it tells you that okay this is the how many calories that you have um you, you have lost today or yeah. you have to wake yourself up all these things that all these technological things that are happening i know i will not need uh, an alarm to wake me up anymore maybe there's you know it's there's, there's this sort of an advice that wakes me up there's so many things that are happening in terms of technology and and, yeah. and when we focus when our shift or our focus is only on one specific area where i just believe or i have this culture where you make it a norm to say me going to work it's the end of it people yeah. are earning money by sitting at home because someone yeah. is getting paid for just being at home you're getting That's paid for going at home, which requires you to actually use energy. So you need energy for your car, for whatever it is that you're doing, for you to get dressed up, for you to do what, what, to go and do that particular job that somebody is doing online in their bedroom. So yeah. it's, 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 you know, it's a conversation that we need to sort of keep reminding people and really to say, um, let me say in our cultural setups, yeah. These are things that, you know, we also need to start embracing and things that we need to start supporting. Um, if your child comes to you and say, I'm interested in music, shouldn't yeah. we know why are you going to do music? Why don't you do dog medicine? And, yeah. you know, and this comes with a passion. So I'm doing something that I'm forced to do that I don't love doing. And I'll do it for the sake of doing it. And it also affects my mental health. Because exactly. I am not, I don't have passion for medicine. I have passion for music. So yeah. now, you know, all these things because my mom, my dad said this and that, and I'm doing it for them and not for myself, it affects your health or your, your mental health. So I think yeah. it's about time that we start also advocating that people should do what they really want to do, for them exactly. to be at best at what they do, and for them to be creative in whatever ways they want to be creative. If I'm a painter, if I'm an artist, let me do that because then I promote my kind of work in so many ways, which inspires people. And then in return, I get whatever it is that I get. 